Welcome to The Hub. I'm Michelle Hope, your unapologetic sexologist. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of your favorite unapologetic sexologist, your girl for The Hub. It's Sexpert Positions. I'm Michelle Hope, and today... Today I have a very special guest. I have a friend, a mentor, and we're going to be talking about something serious, but still important, and we're still probably going to end up talking about sex at some point, but cancer. Fuck cancer, okay? Um, I'm sitting with a a dear friend, a mentor, an old boss, Miss Latasha. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great, and um, it's a pleasure to be sitting here with you today. And as you stated in your opening, fuck cancer. Yes, yes. So, um... Cancer is a terrible thing, and all of us know somebody yes. who has had cancer, who has experienced cancer. Now, Miss Latasha um, is currently, you are fighting breast cancer. I'm fighting stage three breast cancer. It has already spread to my lymph nodes, and so I am actually in the fight for my life, but happily, I am winning. And you will continue to and win. I will continue to win. Um, and I feel like... The reason I wanted to interview you is because you said something really powerful to me in a conversation where you feel like black women need to know more about breast cancer and about like, you know, they tell us, go get your mammograms. Yes, yes. But there are a lot of other things that we could probably be picking up on. And sometimes we have the superhero S on our chest Mm -hmm. and we think we're fine and we're taking care of our families, our husbands, our children, our jobs, our coworkers. And we sometimes forget Mm -hmm. to take Take care care of of ourselves. ourselves. Um, So can you kind of give us a little bit of a history about who you are? Cause you're an amazing person. Um, And then kind of how you got to stage three um, and, and, and how it came quick. Yeah. And a shocker. Was there. You know, um, you know, as you stated, you know, I'm Latasha Morgan. I am a 46-year-old African-American woman. I am married with, to a wonderful man who is also my best friend. I have two beautiful children, a six-year-old little girl and a nine-year-old little boy. You know, I have a stepson who's 24 years of age, um, currently here with us and providing additional care for me, you know, during a time in his life where he should be out inspiring to be the person that he wants to be, but he's making that sacrifice for me. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. Um, I've been in a field of youth development for over 18 years of my life prior to working at my current employment I've worked at various places like children's aid societies boys and girls clubs um, beacon programs and now I've embarked on a journey 18 years at the Harlem Children's Zone yes Lord so I'm excited about that Um, it has provided a a platform for me to be able to get back to my community and when I say my community I mean someone you know my background deeply rooted in growing up in the NYCHA developments um, also known as Forster King Towers and to the young generation, um, the kingdom. And, you know, I was born and raised there. And it's interesting because last night I was thinking about this as I was, you know, thoughts were racing through my mind about writing a book about my journey. And I was just saying that an important fact that I have to put into my book is to really help folks understand that growing up in New York City housing development, which is NYCHA, um, also known as the projects, you grow up in a community within a community. Yep. Right. And so the project itself is a community. Yep. Um, but then there's this bubble around us that is the community, mm-hmm. you know, and when I think about my current health situation, 
you know, be living with breast cancer right now because I will survive and beat this bitch. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, I often think about what was in my community, mm-hmm. my inner community, meaning in the projects, what was in my community on the outside of the projects that brought awareness, mm-hmm. you know, to me and the folks within my development, you know, and just the community at large. And there, there isn't a lot of information, you know, and it's one thing to have a poster, to have a billboard, to have, you know, a sign on a bus that is going by. Those are all the things I see when I travel to Midtown Manhattan to receive my treatment at Sloan Kettering. But for someone that has been born and raised in Harlem, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and live 10 blocks from 125th Street, where it is like being downtown, you know, it is our own 34th Street. You know, how come there isn't enough visibility about the awareness, the side effects, the, you know, what are the things that I should have that were signs that I should have known? You know, because then I would have caught this thing much earlier. I have to be so honest, you know, and this is the part that disappoints me is the fact that, you know, I I did a self-exam and found a lump. But then when I got there and I started hearing this doctor talk, ask me about some of the symptoms that I felt. And unlike a common cold or the flu or having measles mumps or something of that nature to be, you know, an ability to describe to someone your symptoms and know that they align with the things that you were aware of, I was never told. What, what were, can you, can and, you tell us yes. some of those? And so some of those symptoms, as I'm sitting there with the doctor, I couldn't really answer her. So she started saying to me, well, did you have tenderness in the breast? Yes, I did. Not around did your you, period. Not around my period. Mm. Did you have, um, did you see any um, discharge from the nipple? Yes, I did. Mm. Did you notice any change in a discoloration in your breasts? And I'm like, yes, I did. You know, um, did you have any sensations like pains and stuff? And I'm saying to this doctor, I hear you now. But I didn't know that these were the symptoms. So when I did my research and now I'm reading and I'm flipping through pages and I'm going through journals and I'm reading people's stories and I'm not alone in that. But what was happening with me, you know, I'm an African-American woman. I have to work. Right. You ain't got no choice. I don't have a choice, you know, and I'm just like, I remember those symptoms. I remember but I thought those were associated with the fact that I had just gotten an implant. I thought it was associated with the fact that I may have been pregnant. Right. Right. Or just even being or brown skin and seeing different skin. coloration yes. around and I'm your like, skin. No, and I have a birthmark right. on that breast. So the discoloration, I'm like, oh, well, I've had this birthmark that has discoloration. I didn't realize that there were other things that were happening. But now in hindsight, when I think about it, for over six months, maybe even a year, I have been experiencing these things. Yeah. So you, we have to do better at listening to our body. body. Yes. And that was the other thing. I wasn't listening to my bodies. And I recalled a couple of nights where I just didn't feel well, but I knew I didn't have a cold. I couldn't put my finger on it. But I remember saying to my husband, I just need to rest. I need to be still. You know, I just need to rest. You know, after those doctor's visits and meeting with these people. And the other thing that's different is that you meet with a doctor who may be your OB, you meet with your medical doctor, meeting with someone that their background is in cancer, that medical oncologist, those meetings, 
for meetings that you're only going to get once you're diagnosed. Exactly. Right. That's it. But we talk about real awareness. Yeah. Then awareness is providing forums. Mm -hmm. Right. And bringing in those medical professionals and having them really speak to it. I feel like people that have a history of breast cancer within their families, those should be lectures that should be provided for them. We don't have to wait for you to get cancer. Right. You don't have to wait. There should be some open conversations that are happening early on. Yeah, we need you know? to be playing more offense yes, than, than defense. defense. Yes, and and I would agree that I think in communities of color, especially for women, we put our own health on the back yes. burner, um, and and partially because we're black when we don't have a choice yes. um, to to not work or. Mm-hmm. And, and for someone like yourself, who I have seen at work, I've worked with you, mm-hmm. you are a fire starter, a go-getter, always on the go. So I could see how you would mistake, hey, yes. I'm tired. You got two young children. Yes. You have a loving husband. Yes. You know, all those memes right. where it's like yeah. trying to right. work my day job, have right. a kid. But you know you have your night job because you're still working. Your, right. your work is being a wife your work is being a mom your work is homework help your work is prepare dinner yep and then get the kids uh, lunch ready for the morning or make sure the clothes are washed and and while overall rates of breast cancer in black and white women are about the same black women are 20 to 40 percent more likely to die from cancer so it's getting ahead of the problem Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why i really wanted to have this conversation with you because somebody needs to hear this because my hope is that somebody's going to listen to this and say, well, shit, maybe yes. I need to look at my titties. Yes. Um, and maybe I need to make it a priority to get my mammograms, right? That's yep. where I fell short. My doctor had it scheduled. I didn't make it because I was still working. Yeah. I was still working. And we're like, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm well, everything's good. I don't, yeah, I'm working. I'm working to fight the cause. You know, the last two years of my career at HCZ, I was asked to do something different. And at first I was like, what else can I do that's different than working directly with providing after-school programming for our kids? Right. Right? And I took this challenge on and I went to work with our Healthy Harlem component. And it was in that arena during those two years that I'm like, it's amazing how much I learned, you know, about health and wellness and how much awareness I brought to the organization and opened their eyes and their ears by the way we message and shared information and provided workshops and resources for people and took things to the sites. And we not only educated our young people, we were starting to touch our adults. Yeah. Our staff members, our parents, community residents, excuse me. And that's very powerful. And I'm so thankful to God for him giving me the courage to step into a field that I had no knowledge of. I learned so many different things. But now when I think about it, he was preparing me for this journey Mm. and saying to me, hey, you've already shaped your charge. You know what you need to do. So I've already built the outline Mm -hmm. of how to get this awareness out to our community, to people of color, Mm -hmm. especially for folks that live in Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's already a network of people that are paying attention to the work that we're doing there. This is something in in addition to what we already are offering to people. I have found hundreds of people on Facebook that have now reached out to me from my community directly to hit me up and say, Tasha, I have cancer. Tasha had cancer. I'm a a five-year survivor. I'm a two-year survivor. Recently, someone asked me, Ms. Morgan, do you think it's something in the water in NYCHA? Wow. And I was... I was like, wow, no, we go in there. Right. I, you know, and if it's, if it's not 
something in the water. Mm -hmm. Let's let's take that off the table. But let's go back to what you said. When you go to 34th Street and you see the signs, you see the education signs. Because quite frankly, when you walk around Harlem, the signs you see are about pep and prep. Which is great because the AIDS epidemic really crippled the black community and is continuing to impact um, men of color, especially men who have sex with men. But we have to start talking about breast cancer and women's reproductive health Mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Recently, you know, we've seen rates of maternal mortality Mm -hmm. where black women are at a higher risk of uh, experiencing maternal mortality. We know black women are like I just mentioned, 20 to 40 times or 20, 20% to 40% more likely to experience mortality with breast cancer. And I don't know if it's the water as much as it is the providers. Yes, so who are our doctors? Right. What do they look like? Right. And, and we know yeah. there have been studies that show that doctors carry with them implicit bias mm-hmm. and sometimes a sense of, mm-hmm. uh, r- I hate to say it, racism. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely correct. So I think it's a lack of education, mm-hmm. a lack of awareness of the mm-hmm. early signs, and then us coming to our own minds and saying, oh, it can't be me. Right. I'm right. young. I'm healthy. Yeah. I feel pretty good other than right. being tired yeah. from time to time. And then how do we talk to our doctors and how are we yeah. engaging in conversations yeah. with our care providers? Right. right. Um, and then how are we also sharing? Because as a community, we often don't share. Yeah, we don't want to say right? nothing. It's like almost like you you know some people have said to me like I didn't I felt like I had a plague and I'm like this is real stuff that people are saying to me they admire my courage the fact that I'm speaking out and that they live with it they worked in our organization with it never said a word came to work every day I could barely get out of my bed some days and I'm trying to think to myself how did this teacher manage to stand on her two feet and teach a class of 20 something students yeah eight hours a day on a day after chemo yeah uh, yeah. So let's talk about the day after chemo. So so we find out you found out you have breast cancer. And then what happened? So I found out I have breast cancer. And it's like a something that just takes over your entire being. And I just was like, oh, my Lord, I'm going to die. And then something tapped me on my shoulder and said, this will not be the thing that takes you out. This is going to be the thing to make you stronger. Mm-hmm. So. I have my first chemo treatment on October 31st. And I had a room full of people there to cheer me on. And I remember the feeling of the medication going through my body and completely taking over. I felt like it was attacking every inch of my body down to my toes. And it was unexpected because it was something I never felt before. Right. So I didn't know how to manage it. You know, and some people say the day after, it only took the chemo at least two hours to settle in and to take over my body. So by the time I got home from the hospital, Mm -hmm. I was already just feeling overwhelmed and consumed by something, an alien had taken over and I wasn't able to do a lot of things for myself. So my family members that came over me provided the care, like to bring me a cup of tea, you know, to give me my meds, to make sure that I was drinking the water. And at that time, I didn't want anything because I was in such excruciating pain. You know, I came home with chemo in my body and additional information attached to my skin because I have the new laster on my arm. Yeah, I see yes. the commercials. Yes. We see the commercials. I always wondered, what's that? what is that like? 
So that is basically a form of medication that they give you that kicks in 24 hours after you've had your chemo. So the next day at like six in the evening and they give, they time it, it's a timer on it. So it'll start beeping this afternoon at three oh. when it needs to come off. That is medication that then is put into your body and it stays there for 14 days, right? That med is to help to rebuild your white blood cells. Okay. Right? Because the chemo is now knocking all of that out, but it works with your bone marrow. Yes. So it causes me to have full body pain. Oh man, that sounds awful. So it's very hard. So you take some over-the-counter Tylenol and stuff because I also have to be careful with pain meds, you know, because the ibuprofens are like blood thinners. So I can't take that. Right. So I can only take Tylenol. Um, And I add Claritin to that because there's something within antihistamine within the Claritin that combined with the Tylenol helps with the pain. That's really interesting. That interesting. Is that something your doctor told you or exactly. was it something when you did exactly research? something that some of some cancer patients actually managed to come upon and it's been shared with doctors. And so really your doctors are not supposed to tell you to do that. You know, it's not part of a regimen, a regimen that they are allowed to prescribe. But okay. you have those nurses that will say to you, you know, with their back turned, like, this could probably help you. Why don't you try it? Right. And so a number of people tried it. I have a buddy right now, um, my journey buddy, and we each share things that we hear about to help each other. You know, there's a whole network of people that are sharing. You know, I'm a part of a website called Belong, um, which is for cancer patients. You know, so people get on there and they ask questions or share information and you know it's like a free site and you just go on and talk to people about things that they're dealing with and based on your cancer specifically which is really helpful you know but of course you know there aren't many groups for people of color yeah you know and that's what we need yeah you know we really really need that um but you know down at sloan kettering where i receive my care they are exceptional you know, and, you know, I when I go there, I don't feel like my color has anything to do with it. You know, I just feel like they're catering to me and trying to give me the best experience possible, you know, so that I can go there and at least feel comfortable. And I feel really, really comfortable when I go there. And they provide a wealth of programming, you know, art therapy, yoga, you know, they have apps for uh, meditation. They provide all kind of counseling services if you need it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the chaplain called me this morning because she missed me yesterday. Usually when I go for my chemo treatments, you know, I have my, when I go down, my plan starts at 945 in the morning mm-hmm. and everything's set floor by floor. You walk in, you can stop on the first floor, you get your vitals and your blood work done. Then you go up to two, you wait, you see your doctor, you know, they do a complete check-in, like they want to know how you've been the last time from the last time they saw you, any additional side effects that you hadn't experienced before, anything. You know, the fact that I had a fall, they were like, we need to check you and make sure, you know, just a reminder, right, your body's different now. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, and I was an athlete, but my body's different now. You know, it's sucking the life out of me. So after I'm done with that, then I get ready and I meet with one of the administrators who prints out my schedule for the next couple of weeks or months. Mm -hmm. Any additional appointments, they prepare all of it. You don't have to write anything. They don't want you to have to do anything beyond sitting there and making you comfortable. So he gives me my printout. We confirm everything. I'm like, okay, because now I have to get echoes done for my heart. Yes. You know? So we do all of that, and then I get called to my suite. So you get your own private suite, 
which is great. There's a television in there, comfortable recliner. They bring you blankets. You meet your nurse for the day. She starts you going with, you know, all the fluids, all of the nausea medication that you need, your steroids. She gets all of that going. Once she gets set on that, then she starts to prepare. And what I found to be unique is that I thought that when they had given me the port, that they would just plug me into the machines and they would do everything. But it's very personable when they're giving you the chemo. They actually still attach, you know, a tube to the syringe, but the syringe is in the nurse's hand. Mm. So the machine is not putting it in. The nurse is actually pushing it in. Administering it, yeah. Yes, it's, you know, it it feels different, you know, um, but it's heavy. It is. It's very heavy. I know, that's right. Now, you are a beautiful, bald woman. Thank you. Thank you. I have embraced it. It looks so good. Thank you. Um, Was that... I feel like when we watch these movies, it's always when the hair starts to come yeah. out, it, it can really kind of bring it all home. Yes. What was that f- for you? That like? was a very humbling experience. It did bring it home. Um, prior to my bald look, you know, I've always had really long, beautiful black hair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I was able to do all kind of different styles. So I attended our annual gospel concert that we host at our organization. And that night I had, I had already lost all the edges, but I still had hair like in the middle. So I put it in a ponytail and I put a cap on my chemo cap. And then I had a wore a nice hat because the staff had reached out and he's like, we really want you to be here. And this was like a day after chemo. And oh, I wow. sucked it up and I went, you know, it was something that I started years ago, yep. you know, and I was like, I need to be there for them. And I was there and it was a beautiful thing, you know, and when we were done, when I came home that night, I took off my caps and you know, it started falling out even more. And then my kids, I allowed my kids to touch it. And as they touched it, you know, they said, it's coming on. I said, go ahead and pull a piece off. You know, and then I pulled a piece off. And then I told my husband, it's time. And at first he was very hesitant. He was like, you, I can't do this. And I was like, you can, you're the one. I need you to do this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, okay, we're going to do it. But I'm really not ready. And I said, I know, but I am. And I, I don't want to allow it to just come out on its own. I want to determine this journey. And it is time. Mm. You know, and he, you know, cuts hair on the side like for himself and a couple of his family members. And he set me up in the barber's seat. And, you know, I wanted to take pictures. And he's like, please don't take a picture. I did sneak and I snapped a picture of him. But um, for the most part, I have. And I need that for my memories. You know, something that I had done prior to that, Michelle, was I'd watched the... Um, movie on Netflix Napoli of After with mm. my family yes. and this was when I first found out and I watched that because I wanted my kids to see this um, and to just have a conversation with them at the end mm-hmm. about how they felt about her hair and the fact that she cut her hair mm-hmm. you know and they said it's nothing mom it's just hair it'll grow back she's still beautiful so after my cousin, my husband finished cutting off all of my hair and we cried together and he looked at me and I was so concerned about what he was going to say that he saw, mm-hmm. you know, and he said, you're still beautiful. And I just needed to hear that, you know, and I was like, I'm, I'm still beautiful. You know, and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, wow, this is this is me. Mm-hmm. Right. There's nothing there. This is just me. And I went upstairs to my nine year old because my daughter was sleeping already. And he's the second man in my life. Yeah. You know, and I went up to him and I said, Jordan. What do you think? And he was—he looked at me and he said, wait a minute, I'm about to cry. And I was like, 
what? And he's just like, give me a minute. I'm about to cry. And then he just said, you're still beautiful and I love you. And I said, I love you too and thank you. You know, this nine-year-old said, pause. Give me a minute to process the fact that my mother is standing here in front of me. This woman that wore all kind of hairstyles. All kinds. All kinds. Yeah. Right? My favorite was my ponytails, though. I know. You loved it. And the ponytail bun. My bun. Yes, you did. my bun. Yes. You know, and he realized that this minute there was a change, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's when the whole thing came full circle. And I feel like that's when I was like, all right, I'm ready to fight. I felt like Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. And I mean, again, you have a beautiful, bald, round. It's all, it's not misshapen. It's just beautiful. Um, And I I think that Napoli Ever After was a great way to have a conversation. Because so much with breast cancer, it takes, and things like ovarian cancer, Mm -hmm. it it takes things away from women Mm -hmm. that make them feel like women. Mm -hmm. That society has has said, oh, you, and as black women, you know, um, I have a, because I'm biracial, I have a thinner grade, uh, not as coarse hair. So oftentimes um, I wear my hair straight because it's just easier. Right. but we're always told like long hair is mm-hmm. better and mm-hmm. you don't want the, the Michelle, you got that good hair. Yeah. And it's like, what is good, good hair? hair? What is bad hair? hair? Um, it, it doesn't make the woman and you are a beautiful woman, um, both inside and out. But I can, I can imagine cause you and your husband have been together. What? 20, 20 something years, 20 yeah. some odd years. So that yeah. was probably very, it was very it was. difficult. We've known each other since we were kids. <laughs> process yes. for him and and also jordan is such a an incredible young man but again the ability for him to process at nine like whoa and i think that not only are we not talking about cancer mm-hmm. in our community we're not talking about how we process it mm-hmm. after how does yes. family yes. play a large role yes. um what what do survivors and fighters need mm-hmm. from family and what do caretakers need yes right so that's been a new thing that i've been reading about mm-hmm. and i've gone to a couple of websites in particular the um, american cancer society site i'm always on that site and the more i read about things i was just like so impressed like wow who would have known you know you just assume that you know okay you're here you're gonna help take care of me great but they need caring for also yeah yeah you know, how to communicate with them, you know, it's just, I was like, wow. So I was just reading about it, like, okay, I need to be mindful of this. I need to be making sure I'm communicating. I'm asking him how he's doing. You know, how can I be helpful? You know, do you need a time out? You know, should we get someone to care for the kids? Maybe you need a weekend. You know, th- those people need breaks also. And they need teams of people that can rotate in. Yep. You know, so it's a lot to really think about. And I'm one yeah. of your team people, so you Thank know you, you can call me whenever. Yes. Because um, I'm all for Ladies and gentlemen that are listening, let me tell you something about this family. First mm-hmm. of all, Halloween, they all dress alike. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite was the Run DMC when y'all had mm-hmm. on the Adidas yeah. throwbacks. Um, the kids is always fresh to death. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, this is a family that you and we've always talked about. Hashtag relationship goals. Hashtag couple goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and being mindful of, of providing your husband with a break. Um, is so important and I have to ask how do you keep romance with all this going on and has it been a struggle yeah romance is so important and you know early on Michelle I don't know if you remember 
<clears throat> and one day I said to you, I said, oh, my God, what about my sex life? Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you think you like cancer. I can't do anything. Right. It's not true. <laughs> you know, I figured out I figured it out. I was like, this is not true. It requires more. Right. You know, I have to really get my mindset, you know, but I know that I still have to have joy and romance in my home. You yeah. know, I still have to have sex. Yeah. And it's not just for him. No, it's also for me. Yes. You know, and it's all it's been really good because I've also been suffering with some insomnia. So, you know, the best way to get to sleep. A little masturbation, a little sex. Hey. Whatever it is. Whatever you got to do. And I think that, again, that's something, first of all, black people, we don't really talk about sex in the first place. Yeah. But sex and cancer? Sex and cancer. Like, those two don't go together. Now, that can't be a thing. Right. Every once in a while, I may make a joke. You know, he's like, hey, I'm like, oh, I got cancer. You know? (laughs) (laughs) You know? That's funny. That is funny. It is pretty funny. He's like, listen. Right. You know. But that's a part of what keeps the connectedness. And that's a part of what. um, And I think, again, it also speaks to able bodiedness Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. remembering that, you know, if you're going to be in a marriage for a long time or in a relationship or even if you're single, I always say from the womb to the tomb, baby, sex is a part of your life. But it does change. Yeah. And yes. how does it change? And what's uh, different mm-hmm. about it? And how do you manage yeah. to to stay in that space? But we have to remember mm-hmm. our brains are our yes. largest sex organs. They really, really are. And you know what? It's interesting that you say that because I think about our intimacy prior to the baldness. And I think we, and it's something because we were so into the cancer she has cancer what do we need to do she has cancer and it's just like he's looking at me like I want to have sex with you but I don't know if you really are still interested in me because you got so much other stuff going on with your Mm -hmm. body you know and then it was like all right I'm such a planner that I'm like shit now I got a plan to be romantic and have sex with my husband but you know what happened he waited until after the holidays because he said he didn't want it he didn't want it to become about him Mm which is deep after the holidays after thanksgiving and all the family and friends went away my husband then went upstairs one day came back down bald and said i did this for you and now i'm ready to fight and i was like wow and guess what happened my brain and my vagina (laughs) and my emotional everything just connected and i was like he just looks so great to me it was like wow you look yummy Right. And then we started saying this thing that we was twinning. Right. And then after that, we had like one of the best nights ever together. Oh, that's amazing. You know, and I was just like, oh, shoot. You know, it's it's again, it's so much. It's so deep. The intimacy and remembering that, you know, in that you probably was not anticipating sex then. But the intimacy to say, I'm I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to fight. You ready to fight. Fight. I'm ready to fight. And now we're going to beat this. And now we're going to beat this. So um, now you are in your first phase of chemo. Yep. I just finished my fourth treatment, which is my four, my first four cycles mm-hmm. are complete of the heaviest medication, the attack okay. medication. So um, we've attacked. We've attacked and we've gotten some really great results that there is some shrinkage that has occurred there. Um, and so now we're looking forward to the next cycle of chemo. And that's how long? That's for 12 weeks. So a solid four months. A solid four months. And then after that process. Then we'll have a conversation about we a reassessment and then we need to talk about the surgery. Okay. And so I am definitely one of those women. And this is partially because I've been reading so much about other people and their journey, you know, and, you know, there are some other nationalities that choose to be more preventive. And so they don't even get to where I am 
because cancer runs in their family. Yep. The family has had a conversation about it mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, these young women are about to embark on womanhood, right? Guys, four of us in the family have breast cancer. You wow. need, we need you to get, go and have an, a meeting with your doctor, get you an appointment, get a physical done. Whether or not they find anything is not what we're concerned about. What we're concerned about is you having a conversation with them to let them know that you want to be proactive about this. And we're kind of talking about the the BRCA1 yes. or BRCA2 right. um, gene mutation yes. that so, is linked. Mm-hmm. That's kind right. of what, um, what's her name? Angelina Jolie. Exactly. Right. Right. And so Angelina Jolie said, you know what? I'm going to go to get this genetic testing done because mm-hmm. that's what it is. Based on my results from the genetic testing, I'm going to determine whether or not I'm going to have cancer. She did the genetic testing. It told her that she had a higher percentage mm-hmm. rate of having cancer. So she said breast cancer. She said, okay, well, I'm not going to wait. Right. You can take them. Take so it. she had a double mastectomy. She got rid of them and got new boobs. <laughs> right? New boobs. New boobs. And that's what other folks are doing. Yeah. Right. We're not talking about that in our community. Nope. We're like, oh, I have breast cancer. My insurance can't pay for it. Exactly. And I think that, again, it goes back to talking to your doctor, whether you're on Medicaid or whatever insurance you got. Most doctors now um, will recommend breast reconstruction afterwards because it does something to the the psyche. It does. Again, we talked about the hair. We talked about being a woman. My mom had a full hysterectomy when Mm. I was younger and, um, she got a tattoo Mm -hmm. in the area where they took everything because she needed to be able to identify a center. Uh, Similarly, if you have your breast removed, that can make you feel kind of not feminine. Right. uh, Right. Because we've been told that women have boobs. So taking them and then replacing them is, is highly recommended. So if you, you feel like, Oh, my insurance is not going to cover it. Most doctors these days, days yes are, are gonna f- try to find a way for you to have a reconstruction right, right, right. and that's part of my plan moving forward is that you know i'm just like i don't want you to just focus on this breast or just take whatever lump is still left in it i no, let's just remove both breasts yeah right i feel like it rests better you know i've also been watching a couple of um programs on tv and one that's really resonated with me recently is called a million little things Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've seen that series. It comes on ABCs on, okay. on Wednesday nights at 10 o'clock. But I brought the series so that I can get it from the first episode. And it is so powerful. You know, it's about four friends, but they're four men. So the focus is on these four men that mm-hmm. have built a friendship together. Um, That's where at your house. It's okay. fine. Yeah. Somebody will the get it. The four men, but then they, these, each of these men have women in their lives and there's like, they're going through their own personal journeys, but there is a couple that is, tr- they're trying to be a couple, but they're also battling cancer. Together. Both of them have breast cancer. Oh, ironic. Right? So they meet in a support group, but he's a man. And she's a woman. And so people don't realize that men get breast cancer also. So it was like a learning opportunity. There's so many messages in this program. And I recommend that people check it out. It's so worth it, you know. But there's also an episode in there where the woman is now making a decision because she's had breast cancer. She beat it. It came back. Mm. What does she do? This man has now fallen in love with her. And he wants her to fight. But it's her. She has to be willing to fight. Yeah. And she's so exhausted from the first fight. Yeah. That she's like, I don't know if I want to fight this. Yeah. 
you know, and this is the, for her, it was even after the reconstructive. Uh-huh. So we haven't figured out where the cancer is. Normally, it's not back in the breast. It, it, it goes pops up, up somewhere places. else. Right. Which is, and again, um, my mom's wife um, had cancer, and then there was some concern that maybe it came back, but it, it doesn't come up in the same space usually. It usually comes up somewhere else. And I think that, you know, we just have to be more mindful of how we're taking care of ourselves. And I think that's why we're having this conversation right now so that more people can get the awareness that they need, can get the information that they need and can know that this, it's okay to talk about. Yeah. We don't have to like worry. Have you started looking at boobs. Yeah. Are you getting the same size? You think you're going to go bigger? I think I'm going to go a little bigger. Yes. My husband and I have talked about it. I'm yeah. Like, what was your ideal size, right? Because at right. first he's like, oh, not the boobs. Like when I told him it was breast cancer, he's like, <laughs> shit, not the boobs. <laughs> you know, um, but you know, those are conversations that we're having, you know, and I also wanted to make sure that he was okay with that. Like, listen, I know this is my body, but you are a part of me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, how do you feel about the fact that I'm going to remove them? And he was just like, if it's going to save your life, then let's remove them. Yeah. You know, he's like, if it's going to give us something different, let's let's determine what that difference is. Right. You know, so right now we're debating. We're probably going to go for a C. Nice. A nice C upgrade. Cup. Yeah. It's, it's like nice a full upgrade. upgrade. And uh, uh, it's almost like you can, you make it through the make fight. Th- yes. And then you come out a winner. Yes. And, you're like, I got some yes. and I think that it's it, morale gives you something to look forward yeah. to. Um, you know, Definitely. also there's so many awesome boob jobs you can get. So yeah. many shapes. You can yeah. just pretty much. You can, you know, and they can take it from places. I mean, I'm a pretty thin woman, but I have over time I started to develop a little belly. Yeah. You know, but they'll take it from right there. Then I get a flat stomach. I'm like, hey, yeah. You know, and where I have my port, I said, when I'm finished with this, I'm also going to do what your mom did. I'm going to get a tattoo. Nice. You know, around my port area so I can remember, you know, just a symbol. Yeah. This is where it was. That you're a fighter. Yeah, and I'm a fighter and a survivor. Yeah. I mean, we have to get you back to healthy. Yeah. Because you're my road dog. Thank you. We we, we tell jokes. Yes. Um, I have two more questions okay. before, I, before I let you go. Um, first and foremost, um, what's one thing you want your daughter mm. to know um, as you... Are, are going through this because mm-hmm. your daughter is a gem and she's yeah. a spunky spunky girl I she love her is. so much but like what is one thing you really want her to come out of this experience with knowledge mm-hmm. you know although she's six you being you can only imagine what the brain does mm-hmm. and how much it can take in in a process you know I want to leave her with knowledge and the truth behind cancer I want her to know about it because now She's at risk. She's at risk. I don't want to wait to, to, you know, if this thing touches her for, to start talking about it. I want to talk about it and be about it now with her. I want her to be a part of what comes after cancer. Yep. What does mommy do with this newfound information and this experience that she's had? Yep. Right. And I want her to be aware of the impact that it could have on her. Right. You know, when I did the genetic testing... The nurse, I felt, was trying so hard to convince me to do the test. Really? That I stopped her midway and I said, what's happening right now? Right. Right? And so I said, I feel like you're trying to persuade me to do something that I should just, it should be just a part of my, the workup. Right. And so she's like, well, you know, this is optional and, you know, oftentimes some people are not really interested. I said, can you just be honest with me for one moment? Right. Who are the some people you're referring to? I need to know. 
she said woman of color because they don't want to know they don't want to know I said well I'm the exception to the rule give me all them give tests. me all the information let's do the test mm-hmm. you know and my test results came back and there's no finding you know that I can pass this gene on okay you know there's no finding right now so we're thankful to that however we don't know what the future holds you know, so I want my daughter to be, I want her to have all the information, you know, know what she needs to do. Remember this experience, not in a way that it hinders her or makes her insecure or stifles her where she's like, oh, I'm paranoid. I don't know what to expect. But so that she has the knowledge and she knows what to do. I want her to understand the importance of getting her mammograms and the fact that I got diagnosed at 46, which means at 36 that she needs to start yeah. getting her testing done. Like she needs to know that information, you know, and I plan to write a book so that I can just leave her with a token you know something that she can always go back to and refer to you know I've taken a lot of pictures and you know some people are like oh my god you're gonna save these pictures and I was like yeah because I also want people to see you know I want them to be able to see it you know and there's something about my first encounter with my chaplain over at Sloan who comes in during chemo and she does prayer with me and meditation and we always read a psalm together and I had when we first started out she asked me about myself and as I was telling her who I was she said to me and what I've been through and the journeys that I've encountered she said wow and now this is your time to be still and so my book will be called be still oh well I think we'll all be looking for that um and then my last question what would you tell your 20 year old self knowing what you know now Wow. What would I have told my 20-year-old self knowing what I know now? Not just about cancer, but about, about life. And life. That is full of twists and turns. And that in life, there will be certain things you can plan for. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes it's not within the planning. Sometimes it's how you embrace things that come whether they're good or bad right and you Mm -hmm. take that on and then you decide how do you move forward Mm -hmm. how do you learn from things you know the importance of research and knowledge you know I think I feel like at 20 years of age I was just running around you know just running you know thinking I'm living the best life yeah You know, but not realizing that there was a whole world out there and there was some shit waiting for me. Yeah. You know, um, but being an athlete, I feel like by the age of 20, my stamina, I built it up so strongly. And I was exposed to so many different variations of sports. That conditioning, I feel, is what prepared me for my 46 year old person that I am today. Because it was back then that I realized that I could do anything. I can conquer the world. I would have to fight. And some fights would be harder than the next. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's what you put in is what you're going to get out. It's something that cancer has taught me. And I remember hearing people say it, but I didn't realize it until I was in it. Is that the one thing you want to do is stay positive. And I have maintained that I am this positive individual. And I brought something else along with me. I said, I could have cancer, but I don't got to look like cancer. You know, so when I get up and I get up out these doors, I beat my face. Yeah. I put on my best attire and I keep it moving, you know. And so inside, I may feel bogged down. Like, whew, I don't know if I have enough energy. I walk two blocks, I got to stop and breathe. Yep. 
you know. But if you look good, you feel good, you surround yourself with people that are good for you, it brings out the best in you. So 20, 20 year old Latasha, you just get prepared. There are going to be quite a few fights ahead of you. You will, you will bear children. You may lose one in the process. Mm-hmm. That happened, mm-hmm. right? But it's all about how you pick yourself up and move forward. You may get promoted, you may get demoted. But it's how you pick yourself up and you keep moving forward. You may get cancer. You fight that fight with God. And you allow him to bring you through. And at the end, when you ring that survivor's bell, you be thankful. But you promise me that you will bring awareness to other people. And help them to be more preventive Mm -hmm. about what the future could hold for them. And be fierce and fabulous like you. Because you are fierce and fabulous. And And, and the saying for this episode is, fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Yeah, we're not having it. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to another wonderful episode of Sexpert Positions. I'm your girl, Michelle Hope for The Hub. And until next time, peace. for joining me it's your favorite unapologetic sexologist michelle hope here in the hub and i want to remind you to make sure you're following me at mh sexpert on ig and twitter because each week i'm going to be delivering those sexy tips you want and answering all your questions so hit me up on twitter and ig using the hashtag unapologetic sexologist